You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into Fireside Chats. This is episode 12, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me at Michael Kist NFL, that's K-I-S-T, and make sure you're following at BGN underscore radio, and also that you're subscribed to the BGN feed on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to us right now. Five-star ratings and reviews are, of course, always welcome at Apple Podcasts, and we're actually zeroing in on 1,000 five-star reviews since our relaunch, which is an awesome, amazing accomplishment. We cannot thank you enough for that, gentle listeners. So enough humble bragging as we got a show to get to. And if you listen to any of the Fireside Chats before, you know this is a series where I bring in the leading minds from around the industry to talk all things football. And this time, you're going to get a ton of new information that you really can't get anywhere else because Matt Manichirian from Sports Info Solutions is back on BGN, and he brought our friend Bryce Rossler along with him to talk about the Eagles and league-wide trends. So we got into some reactive play-calling discussions, play-action under center for shotgun, Jim Schwartz's blitz tendencies. And a quick note before we get to that conversation, Sports Info Solutions is currently accepting applications for internships for their fall season. So if you're interested in breaking into the sports world, and that's a great place to start, go to sportsinfosolutions.com today for more information. All right, let's get to that conversation with the game from SIS right now. All right, just make me sound good. We got the all-star team from Sports Info Solutions here to chat Eagles in the NFL. First up, he is the director of football and research. I've once heard him described as mysterious, but his background as a scout in the NFL is no secret. He is Matt Manichurian. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Mano. That's M-A-N-O. Matt, good to talk with you again, brother. How you doing? Good. I don't want to come on too often because I got to keep the mystique up, apparently. But uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to be back. Absolutely. And his opponent fighting in the blue corner, hailing from Sports Info Solutions. He's a reformed Lions homer. A Big 12 apologist, and he's the sociopath that you didn't ask for, but the sociopath that you needed. He is my buddy, Bryce Rossler. Follow him on Twitter at BT Rossler. Bryce, konnichiwa, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. You know, we've known each other for a couple years, and this is, you know, just now getting on the show, but that's okay. Maybe it's that attitude that kept you off the show, Bryce. Nothing? Nothing? Okay. Nope. We'll keep going. <laughs> I can, If you need, I can give like a play-by-play of, of Bryce's facial reactions. I think right now it's very pursed lips. Is what we're seeing. That sounds about right. I'm, I'm ready to get shanghai It'll happen. I'm going to hit you with some stuff that you aren't ready for. But the last time, Matt, that you and I spoke, it was Fireside Chats number nine. And we had a great time. A ton of great information in that show, not just league-wide, but related to the Eagles as well. Go back and take a listen to that, gentle listener, if you have not yet. And when we did that, Matt, you assembled a small army to get me a ton of data that I was, wasn't was expecting. So it's going to be tough to top that one. Bryce is in a, in a really bad spot here. So in that show, we busted some Carson Wentz narratives. It was a good time. But before we continue, Matt, could you remind the gentle listeners of what your goal is at Sports Info Solutions and what you folk provide to the people? Yeah. So we provide basically data and analytics to NFL teams. We also work in baseball. We have a, a long history there, but specifically with football, what we're doing is we have a big chart 
scouting operation where we have over 50 video scouts watch every game in the NFL and FBS. Everything happens in our building. They're recording everything that's going on on the plays. And then in our research team, we're taking all the data that they've gathered and we're cooking up different types of tools that we provide to the teams, new statistics like total points, which is one we came out with last year, providing these analytics, not just to the teams and now also to the public so that everybody can understand the games a little bit better. So most of our business is providing that competitive advantage, but but certainly we like to kind of be out there in the world trying to, whether it's people that are using it to gamble or whatever else, football information is fun. Sports Info Solutions has a ton of great stuff that they're putting out. Make sure you're following their work. And today I wanted to talk more about the Eagles and then we'll get into some league-wide stuff. But when I was thinking of what kind of like data I wanted to talk about, the term reactive play calling was the first thing to pique my interest. And understand sometimes when you see the word reactive attached to something, it's typically like a pejorative. Bryce, can you break down what I mean when I say reactive play calling? The old 49ers coach Bill Walsh had a concept that he called reactive play calling. And basically what it boils down to is Walsh believed that offenses – tended to act in certain ways following certain situations. So he wanted to, when he broke down film, he always wanted to know, for example, what a team liked to do or what they tended to do on a first down play after they had gotten a first down rushing, after they had gotten a first down passing. And he believed that in these vacuums, you could learn more about a team's tendencies than if you just looked at their first and 10 play calling overall, for example. Mm. To back that up, I'll say um, in my time with the Saints, certainly looking the, the play sheets every day and the way that Coach Payton, Pete Carmichael, those guys like to organize the practices, you're looking at these situations differently. So after a turnover, what are the plays that you're running in that situation? After an earned first down, what are you doing in that situation? After, you know, the first, first down after a punt, these are all kind of different things. And, and that goes back to this concept of, of reactive offense. So I can tell you from my experience, this is something that's not just a, in books and theory, but Bill Walsh was doing it and it's still uh, actively uh, employed in the NFL today. Now, sauces tell me that you, Bryce, might have some information on reactive play calling when it comes to the Eagles. Mr. Rossler, what do we have on that front? The floor is yours, my friend. Okay, so we've got several different categories here and I'll I'll briefly detail them for the gentle listeners. We've got explosive (laughs) passes, which we've defined as passes that gain 15 or more yards. Mm -hmm. We've got explosive rushes, which are runs that gain 15 or more yards. We also have generally passes for first downs. They're not double counted because we count the explosive passes first. Same deal for runs for first downs. We've got possession in 10. We've got what teams do after the opponent turns the ball over and then what they do after on their first drive after they turned the ball over on their last drive. So Carson Wentz throws an interception. What do they do on the following drive? We've got first down sacks. And then something that I thought was really interesting that Warren Sharp brought to the conversation on Twitter was what do teams do after a first and 10 incompletion? Mm. So those are the categories. I've, I'm have i going to relate this to how Philly compares to the NFL averages. Yeah. So for explosive passes, Philadelphia actually runs the ball a little more than the league average. Their, their pass rate is about four percentage points below the league average. Same can be said for runs. When they have an explosive run play, the following first down, they're about 12% under the league average. And something that really surprised me was going back to the first down incompletions. We know that uh, the Eagles are very much on the forefront of analytics. Analytics will almost always tell us that passing is more efficient than running is. So it was surprising to see them come well under the league average after first down incompletions. Uh, They're about eight percentage points below the league average. 
in those situations. I know that, that the play of Nick Foles may have had something to do with that. Maybe they wanted to be a little more conservative when Wentz was not at the helm. So you could, mm. you could probably break that down a little bit further. First down sacks, though, they, they threw the ball quite a bit. They threw it 12% more often than the rest of the league did after getting a first down sack. Turnovers, they are way above the league average. Once they get the ball off an opponent's turnover, they're passing it 31% more than the rest of the league is. A little bit more conservative when they've turned the ball over. The following possession, they're passing it about 10% less. So you said, Bryce, just taking it back a second. You said first play after that turnover, the Eagles are taking a shot down the field, basically, or they're, they're passing a lot of yeah, the time. Yeah, they're, they're passing. I, I don't have the average target depth right. in front of me, but they're, they're certainly being aggressive uh, in passing the ball. That makes sense to me. The defense year. isn't necessarily ready to be out there right away. They don't have all their time to get get oriented and get set up and all that kind of stuff. It's a great time to take a shot. I think that that kind of aligns with conventional wisdom. Yeah, so what we're seeing is like in these different situations, they kind of lean towards run so far in a lot of these. But then when it comes to a sudden change, uh, which would be the term for that, they really want to be aggressive in that situation. That's interesting that that's where they decide, like, let's really ramp it up. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, and, and they're, they're not running the ball all the time in, in these reactive situations. Possession in 10, the first play of their drive. They're, they're passing more than most teams are. They're passing about 8% more than other teams are. Again, we're not double counting the turnovers and those sudden changes. And when possession intent, explain what, what, what that means. That's like a new set of set of downs, a fresh start to a drive. What is that? Yeah, it's, it's just the first play of a drive. Then they're also passing it a little bit more than most other teams are after gaining first downs on non-explosive plays, mm. 2% more than the league um, once they pass for a first down and also about 2% when they rush for a first down. So they're kind of all over the place, right? Like they're kind of like they, they pass more in certain situations and then they're like either way above or they're like pretty like uh, in a flat line towards the below the league average for passing in other situations. I, I wonder why that is. Like if they found that passing isn't always the best answer after some of those situations, you know what I mean? That's certainly something that could be studied deeper on a, on a league level. I can't claim to to know anything Uh, off the cuff about that but that's certainly something interesting that could be looked into so what we can really glean from that like the main point that i got there is the one that matt was talking about as well is that sudden change is that the eagles more so than a lot of other teams like we we tend to assume that all of these teams are taking shots after turnovers but it looks like the eagles are going for it a lot more than other teams and i'd be interested to look into that data myself and kind of see what was the result of that is that where a lot of their explosive plays came from because they struggled for a better part of the season last year creating explosive plays so maybe that was some somewhere where they found a competitive advantage so that's something for me to follow up on uh, anything else on reactive play calling that you found? So one thing that, that I'll just throw in there, you know, yeah. you did that that P and ten, that first first down of the possession. To me, especially looking at some of these being lower sample size occurrences, this is actually the the, the highest sample size of all of these situations. And the Eagles being eight percent above average, that's something that I think is is really not coincidental. They're they're at fifty nine percent in that situation. The league's still just at fifty one and a half percent in that situation. And that's saying that, that, that when they're starting, when they're starting the drives from kind of, you know, your regular neutral situations, they're, they're coming out with a a significant amount more 
of passing on the first play of the drive to get the drive started than these other teams. Then you see you see more of a range when it comes to, okay, they've already earned a first down. What, what's going on now? You start to see they do different things in different situations. But in terms of what they're doing strategically and what they're about, they're, they're mm. in line with what you'd expect. That's that, that should be more of a pass situation than a run situation if you're trying to run your offense efficiently and uh, no doubt about it. And then, like we said before, those sudden changes, they're going to take a shot. And then league-wide, you, you talk about the, the first play. You know, you throw an incompletion. League-wide, typically, how does the league react to that? Because a lot of coaches and what I've seen from Warren Sharp, what he's talked about is that coaches don't want to go three and out, pass, pass, pass. It just, it's weird. It just looks bad. You know, it's not considered the same as going three and out on pass, run, pass, or pass, run, run. Like, how does the league react to that? Yeah, so for 2018, they, they actually fared a little better than I expected them to. They're they're about 63% passing after a first down okay. incompletion, which is a lot higher than I would expect it be. Now, this is just for 2018. There might have been a sudden shift between 2017 and 18 as teams start to incorporate analytics more. Maybe that there's an uptick somewhere in there. But for 2018, they they were generally pretty smart about passing some teams some teams get a little gun shy about passing again okay so let's t- talking about passing let's talk about a way that we can maximize our passing efficiency and there's been a lot of talk about play action and how it aids a passing game there's also it also evolved into like the whole the whole play action conversations kind of started with well right now we can't prove that you know establishing the run quote unquote really accentuates play action at all. You can do it in the first drive without having established the run. And then it kind of evolved into, okay, so play action is more effective as as a passing concept than, than regular, you know, drop back passing from under center of shotgun. And then it kind of evolved into, and we talked about this with the Giants and the Kiss and Solak show, uh, it, it improves your protection. Now, that could be because on a lot of these play action concepts, you're leaving more offensive players in to give the quarterback more time. And maybe that's the reason for it, not just the play action itself. But then it finally, now what I'm seeing is that under center is the more efficient concept versus shotgun, when it comes to EPA, is that correct? That is correct. The average EPA from 2017 to 2018 for under center play action was 0.12. The success rate was 50%. You compare that to shotgun, which was 0.06 and about 48%. What's interesting is, is our friend Keegan Abdu of NFL Next Gen was having a debate with another one of our friends, Evan Silva, on Twitter. And it was regarding Aaron Rodgers being reluctant to turn his back to the line of scrimmage mm. in under center play action. So I also scraped the pressure rates for these plays. And interestingly enough, while under center is more efficient, quarterbacks tend to get pressured more often when there's play action from under center. You're looking at a 42% pressure rate from under center versus 30% for shotgun. Right. So that's con- so that aspect of it is consistent. So the shotgun you'll see mostly be cleaner than, than in terms of pressure in all situations, and that becomes even stronger in play action. So play action under center, that 42% rate, that's a pretty high pressure rate, um, kind of all things considered. But like yeah. like Keegan was saying before, you're seeing twice the average EPA per play and a couple ticks higher on the success rate. Now, the real interesting one, if you split it out, is pistol. Keegan, what can you tell us about, about when you split us, when you split out pistol from shotgun? Keegan. I called you Keegan. Embarrassing. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Hey, I want to issue an apology to Keegan Abdu on the air right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry I made that mistake. We we were just talking about him. I really, really apologize. Keegan, brother, that's rough if you're listening. We we at BGN would also like to issue an apology for the slander against your name. Bryce, what you got? I'm going to storm <laughs> out. 
I get this is my first time on the podcast and this is how I'm treated. Yeah. What'd you expect, you dog? So for, for anybody who's wondering, in pistol, the average EPA was up at 0.26. So even better than the under center. Now, small sample size. We don't have that many pistol plays in the NFL, even over a two-year sample like we're looking at here. But the success rate up above, again, 52% there. EPA per play, 0.26. That's above the under center, 0.12 and 50%. The difference between that shotgun play action and that pistol play action really seems to be making a big difference. Of course, you know, sample side warnings abound. And I I love the pistol. I think more teams should use the pistol. But, you know, talking about the Eagles, they're a heavier shotgun team. But when they go play action under center, is it better for them with some other teams than it is for shotgun? Bryce, what do you have on what the Eagles are doing with their play action schemes? Yeah, so in 2018, the Eagles, they didn't use any pistol, but they used a lot of shotgun. As you noticed, uh, 136 play action attempts under shotgun, much better than the league average out of shotgun, nearly triple, 0.18 average EPA as compared to the, the league average from 2017 to 2018 of just 0.06. However, they were not as effective under center. You're looking at uh, 0.1 average EPA on 72 under center play action attempts compared to the league average of 0.12. So a little bit of dip. Uh, Success rate was about the same under center, 50% compared to basically 50% for the league average. And their efficiency in shotgun was much higher. Also, unsurprisingly, they didn't allow as much pressure because their, their line is better than most offensive lines in the league, 0.279 <laughs> under shotgun and 0.38 under center. So faring better than the league average in both those areas. So they're kind of flipped from under center success to shotgun success. So instead of recommending more under center play action from them, like you maybe would for the rest of the league, because you're going to get a little bit more EPA, a little bit more yards per attempt out of it, or yards, you know, yards average, their shotgun is the more effective portion of their play action package. Is, am I am I sussing that out correctly? Correct. There it is. Play action data from the boys at Sports Info Solutions. Thank you for throwing that together. When we come back, we're going to talk about more tendencies, efficiencies, stuff like that. It's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to be talking about Jim Schwartz and when he likes to blitz and how that works out for him. We're also going to be talking about the new analytical hires around the league and why it's taking so doggone long for the league to catch up with that trend. That's up next here on Bleedy Green Nation with Matt Manichary and Bryce Rossler and myself, Michael Kist. We'll be right back right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation. We are talking with the boys from Sports Info Solutions, Matt Manicherian, Bryce Rossler. Let's talk about some defense, like I was talking about before the break here. We're going to talk about some blitz tendencies and efficiency. Now, I, I have written this up for BleedingGreenNation.com before, and I'm hoping this holds true because coming into the 2018 season, you know, I, I said that Schwartz's blitz packages were a bit of a mixed bag. And I, I know there were certain spots that he liked to bring heat more so than not because he's not a big blitzer, at least compared to the rest of the league. He's usually in the bottom half. He likes to get there with four. And with the Eagles, you can kind of do that. But in certain situations, like, you know, th- third and mid, third and manageable around there, sometimes third and long, he likes to come with that cover zero, you know, heavy, heavy blitz. And sometimes it can be a little, uh, be a little telegraphed for the offenses and they can kind of take advantage of it. So I'm interested to see how they did and what might have changed in 2018. What do you folk have for us today as far as the Eagles blitz tendencies? So your assertion about what they do in, in third and medium and third and manageable is is spot on. The eye test matches the numbers in third and short, which we've defined as one, two, or three yards to go on third down. He's sending five-plus rushers 36% of the time, third and medium 29% of the time, and third and long 30% of the time. Mm. Elsewhere, he's not really sending a lot of people on first down. He's not a big blitzer, only 9% of the time on first and 10, only 17% of the time on second and long. So he's really just sending the house on those money downs. That makes a ton of sense. Has that been efficient for him? Was that efficient for him last year? I know there were issues with the secondary that can kind of play around with your success rates there, but... Overall, how did how did they fare? So third and short, when they were sending five or more, their success rates were not great, about 40% for both, uh, third and short and third and long. Uh, third and medium, they did a lot better. They had a 72% success rate when they were sending mm. five plus in those situations, which is third and four, third and five, third and six. Uh, and they had about, well, exactly 38 of those situations in 2018. So Bryce, it looks like I'm really smart about the Eagles and their blitzes. Is that correct? Tell me I'm smart. Tell me I'm smart. No. <laughs> so I'll, Matt, anything that... Yeah, yeah. Go I, I got one thing I'll, I'll add to it. So looking at um, some, some, some research actually that John Shirley's been working on lately, he's kind of making a case for the cover zero blitz. Um, I, I agree. You know, I was with some of those teams in New Orleans with Greg Williams dealing with those zero blitzes and you know, the, the feast and famine that he'll provide. We've seen that with Jim Schwartz, certainly over at, at different times in his career, he'll come with that. Like you said, I, you know, the more you look at the numbers on the cover zero, and it's one of these things, like we talk about uh, passing versus rushing and teams should pass more, but we don't know exactly what that balance point is. It looks like teams should be running cover zero more because with the amount that it's being run right now, it's looking like one of the most efficient coverages. Basically, Pressure is good. Blitzing helps get pressure. And if you can rush six guys, it's you have a better chance of getting to the quarterback than rushing five or four. And then when you look at the boom and bust rate, which is what everybody thinks of when you think cover zero, we can't give up that stuff deep down the field. Yeah, it seems to have an impact on how often people are getting targeted over the deep middle, but it's having much less of an impact than you think in terms of giving up really, you know, these deep shot plays that you think of as being the risk that that cover zero entails. You know, it's an interesting case. To be made right there kind of for another more aggressive tactic but in this case we're talking about the defense as opposed to the offense finding ways to kind of take it to them and and limit the you know the the expectation over the course of the draft yeah and to add on to what you were saying a, a lot of teams tend to send the house more 
in the red zone and in goal line situations because they don't have to worry about that deep part. So even when you take that out, cover zero is still being uh, is still proving highly effective in the field. And I would imagine that's because, you know, you're getting so you're, you're bringing six guys and you've got five guys in coverage and typically it's man coverage across the board. A lot of those guys are in off coverage. So what is the offense going to take on third and five? Well, they're probably going to take something like a slant because it's a risk to wait for something like, you know, a Haas concept, you know, like a curl, you know, and, and then you have a nine route from the inside going one on one. You have to wait for that to uncover. You don't always have that time with cover zero because, you know, you're bringing six. So I think that might be another reason, too, that the offenses are just going to take what's there and the defense can kind of like mitigate the risk just by knowing how conservative an offense might be in those situations, depending on the team. I love the point that you're making. The point that you're making is that you're actually doing something that's less risky and there's a good reason for it, because by doing this, you can be dictating to the offense. So say you know that the offense is going to go hot if you bring a certain blitz in a certain situation. If you know that they're going to go hot, on third and seven and all you got to do is make a tackle and you're off the field then all of a sudden you're dictating the action as the defense by by bringing that pressure you by knowing the rules by knowing the adjustment to the adjustment you can sort of dictate these sorts of things like what you're talking about and say hey their answer in this situation is the hot if they throw hot here we win let's go let's do it you, you don't go broke taking a profit on offense or defense and, and another situation with sports that we'll have to get into one day and, and we don't have time for it now but uh, i would love uh, an analytical breakdown of the vaunted picket fence defense that jim schwartz loves to uh deploy and kind of tinkered with last season made some improvements but it's like the bane of eagles fans they absolutely hate on like third and 15 you know they got like the the three on the line you've got the one roaming linebacker and and then everyone else is literally lined up at the sticks. And then they just come up and rally. And typically it's worked for them. Uh, but Eagles fans hate it anyway. And I'm tired of defending them for it. So that was a good chat on blitzes and tendencies, efficiencies for the Eagles, the cover zero blitz. Maybe I'll do a little film breakdown uh, with that as well coming up soon for BleedingGreenNation.com. But Matt, one thing I wanted to talk about before we go here is on the Off the Charts podcast, which is your show with Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders, you mentioned that the Eagles front office uh, saying that Howie Roseman does a good job of marrying the coaches, analytics departments, and, and evaluation departments together. And you also mentioned Aaron, Andrew Berry, who the Eagles recently hired, who is a quote-unquote football guy with an analytical slant, and he's a name to keep an eye on moving forward, even with the promotion of Andy Weidel. So while the Eagles are continually restocking the cupboard and keeping their bench strong, you're just now starting to see teams really ramp up their analytical staffs. Like, for instance, the Carolina Panthers just brought in their first ever director of football analytics. That was, uh, I believe it was Taylor Rajic, who David Tepper brought in for that position. From the Eagles, mind you. From the Eagles, that's correct, yeah. So in Philadelphia, like a hire like Barry, as much as I liked it, was kind of like ho-hum, that's just what they do. The Panthers grab somebody lower on the totem pole, and it's news because of their resistance to it before. Has the pace of change when it comes to this type of thing accelerated, or is it still the same painstaking process around the league for them to adjust? It is definitely, you know, an exponential curve. It is, if you read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, um, for a long time, it's been like watching paint dry, you know, just molasses <laughs> paint, seeing teams adopt and want to want to be more forward thinking with this kind of stuff. And there are still some people there that are just stuck, that, that aren't going to be the people that ever tip. Um, that are going to hang into place. And, and, and those, those are going to be, you know, statues that are going to be there for a while. But in terms of seeing the pace of adoption, 
I mean, it's it's like, uh, you know, if you looked at the chart of it, the, the derivative would just be going off the charts right now. Because mm. more people are adopting. And when you get five people that adopt and then they start talking to their friends and then they start sharing articles, um, it, it has a way of feeding itself. And we're seeing more and more. It's going straight to the level of ownership where people are finding out about this and seeing all this great research that's being done. And they, they can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. So we're seeing mm. just just a whole new atmosphere. And, uh, you know, the Eagles are great because they're right out in front of it. They've been, they've been, they've had an infrastructure in place. I think you're lucky to be able to say, you know, a great hire is ho-hum. That's how you know um, you're in a good place. (laughs) What has to change for like, for the league to adopt guns and stop fighting people with swords like i don't I, I just i just don't understand why for instance someone like the the redskins can rank 121st out of 122nd in espn studies about analytical departments they're in the same division as the eagles the eagles heavily involved in analytics win a super bowl and it's taking them this long to hire anybody you're seeing the ravens start to ramp up their staff and whatnot like what does it hurt What's the barrier that you have to break through to say, none of this hurts you. You can still just like dismiss it at the end of the day and go with your gut or whatever dirt cutter or any of these other, you know, dinosaur coaches with these backwards thinking want to believe like what, what's the barrier to break through where you're just like, look, just this is good information. Spend some money on it. It might help you. It's helped a lot of people around the league. Bill Belichick has been getting over with analytics for the longest time now, and now it's just even getting worse. Like, how, when, <laughs> what needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, you'd think that losing to the Patriots year after year after year, teams would <laughs> decide that they got tired of losing and they'd start to to do more to, to think outside the box here. So I couldn't agree with you more. But, I mean, as far as complaining about – uh, the Washington football team and where they are with all this. Yeah, it's 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 prehistoric type stuff and it's it's living in the past and it's being stubborn. And uh, what's the name of their franchise again? Oh, boy. <laughs> Michael Buffer called me out on Twitter for this. I think I already said it once, but the the, the Washington, you get it. You know who they but, are. And, and I don't say that to make a political point, but I say that to be like, oh, really? This is the team that's living in the past? <laughs> like, okay. Like, <laughs> That's that's a great I, I love the way that you did that. Did you know that Michael Buffer called me out on that? I did not know about that, but but he's a friend of mine now. Yeah, on, on my birthday, he added me. Michael kissed, you know, I love your work, but the term redskin was used and he gave me like the whole etymology in the in the history of the word. So I thought you were setting me up for something like that. I thought Bryce fed you that. that <laughs> Diabolical Bryce. <laughs> Just calmly shaking his head right now. No, but but I but I like that comparison. Like, yeah, of course the team's still using that word for their team name is the one that ranks 121st out of 122nd in the NFL for or, or you know in the sports world for analytical departments. That's that's a great way to put that. Uh Matt, any any other uh any other thoughts or anything grinding your gears going on around the uh, the analytical world. Did I catch you in a mood or are you, you, you're good right now? Uh, you caught me in a good mood today. You caught me in a good mood today. No, you know, <laughs> it's always fun watching the, the whole conversation on Twitter and seeing, you know, analytics Twitter and then fantasy Twitter and kind of, you know, whatever you call old school X's and O's football, all that kind of stuff. And the intersection of all these different people, sometimes they're yelling at each other. But if I actually could sit in a room with two of these people, they would totally agree and want to just pick each other's brains. Yeah. And so uh, it's always fun to me, but, but, at least the conversation, I think we're all learning out there. 
So um, as much as we maybe disagree at certain times with different people, uh, I think uh, the discourse is fun. And Matt, one last time, let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, your work, your podcast, all that stuff. Yeah, check out everything Sports Info Solutions at sportsinfosolutions.com, including the SIS Data Hub, which is the best football stats portal on the planet that you could find. Um, so you can create a free trial of your account there. Um, we I'm on the off the charts football podcast with Aaron shot, Aaron shots. You can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts and, uh, anything else? Bryce. Oh yeah. You can find me on Twitter at BT roster. That's R O S S L E R. Sayonara Bryce. Thanks for joining us, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.